0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Oh, thank you guys. Feels good to be home. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. You can sit down, thank you. Feels good to be in God's country. Hey, we have so much to celebrate today. I just feel like in my spirit that today is about taking a victory lap. Anybody want to take a victory lap? And so uh, I wanted to show you something really special. We, we just finished, uh, I think it was two months ago, uh, our two-year anniversary of Let Us Worship, 170 cities across America. And Amen. And we celebrated it. We were actually in Johannesburg, South Africa. It was our first ever event outside for Let Us Worship Outside of America. We had the largest gathering of people in three years in South African history. Almost 11,000 worshipers and it was just a historic gathering. But um, there's a video that I just want to show because I think it's going to help set a table for what we're here, what we're going to celebrate today and for the true virus God's about to release on us. Amen. So go ahead and roll it. And the billion soul harvest has started. But this is not a protest, even though in a sense it is. This is a gathering. To I believe out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you've ordained praise to silence the foe and the avenger. (laughs) <laughs> thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. We couldn't do what, what we're doing across America and the world if it wasn't for communities like this and churches like you guys and so I just I just want to I want to celebrate what God's doing but also just want to thank you so much for Getting behind us and standing with us when so many people wouldn't and didn't. And you guys did. And you've been a lifeline to me and my family. And so I just I want to honor you and thank you as well. Thank you, Pastor Landon and the whole staff here. Can we just give it up for them? Come on. This is your fruit, too. This is your breakthrough, too. And not only that, but something happened on Thursday. A movie came out in 600 theaters across America. Can you imagine how crazy this is? I mean, I was telling my friends, like, if you, if you would say, like, make a movie on revival and it be released in theaters all over America, that would have been, like, way down here on the priority list. And somehow God is just, like, breathing. And on Thursday, September 29th, the first ever Story, the first ever full-length featured movie was released about the pandemic. And it just so happens to be God's story. (laughs) Super Spreader came out on Thursday. How many guys saw it? Lift your hands, a couple of you guys. Listen, it's incredible. I wanna show the the quick trailer because we still have a few days of it showing left. If you wanna show the trailer, this is Super Spreader, the film. Out in 600 theaters across America, roll. Come on. So think about this. On Thursday night, I, was, I stayed up. I couldn't go to sleep because I kept my phone was blowing up. I was getting these videos of these theaters across America that once discipled a generation in violence in perversion, in darkness, in, in, in evil. And now they, God was flipping the script and they were being filled with people praying and worshiping and they were having altar calls. There was a line of healing. In fact, at last night we were having some issues finding our hotel and figuring this out and I was watching this video, I had to pull over on the side of the street because somewhere in Tennessee, people were getting so on fire People were having, they were having an altar call in the theater. People were getting saved, getting filled with the Spirit. And then, and then these crazy people created a fire tunnel in the hallway of the movie theater. And there was like 12 theaters in that, in that place, 12, 12 movies showing. And every single person the rest of that night that left any of those movies had to walk through a fire tunnel of prayer. And we've had a lot of glitches and a lot of random things that have happened at the theaters where the movie didn't show up or they showed a horror film instead of our film. We've had a lot of resistance, but guys, it's amazing. Like all over America, the last few days, theaters are being hijacked with God encounters. And so I wanna encourage you, if you haven't seen the film, throw up the theaters. Here are three theaters. When we first launched it, it was a one day only premiere, meaning that it was showing one day only, but there were several theaters across America, about 200 of them that said, we don't wanna just show it for one day, we wanna show it for a week. This is unbelievable for a faith film. They were asking asking us if it's okay if they show it for a week. We're like, okay. So right here in Fort Worth, here are three theaters that are showing it until the 6th of October. You gotta go. If you haven't been yet, here are three theaters in this area. You can also go to superspreaderfilm.com if you're watching this from another state or another city. superspreaderfilm.com. Put in your zip code. Listen. You don't want to miss it. There is something on this. Bring people that would never go to church. Bring people that would never go to a conference, but they would go to a movie theater. Tell them it's controversial, because it is. (laughs) Tell them Antifa's in it, because they are. (laughs) Tell them that Sean's trolls are in it that hate him, because they are. The great thing about this film is it's not a Christian highlight film that feels disingenuous and inauthentic this is a film that tells the whole story. My wife breaks down crying in it, telling about the, the, the pain and the heartache that, we, that she's endured. I mean, we, you, like I mentioned, you see that our biggest enemies are highlighted in it. We felt like it was important, just like the Bible just doesn't give us the highlights. It give us, gives us the low moments, the heartache, the drama. It tells the whole story. And we gotta be believers that rise up in the season and tell the whole story, because it's God's story. Amen. So go see the film. And this morning, it's a privilege to be here on the opening debut weekend of this film because I'm here at this church and I want to bring a message to you. What the enemy meant for evil, the slander that was said against us, Rolling Stone came out, the front page article calling me a Jesus Christ super spreader. Which at the time I was, I've got to be really honest, I was kind of bummed at Because I'm a musician, I'm a creative person, and I know that Rolling Stone's kind of a left-leaning, really (laughs) left-leaning publication, but I mean, what musician wouldn't want to be featured at some point in Rolling Stone? Like, however, I probably wouldn't have chosen to be featured that way. And they put me on the front page and I was, I called a a buddy of mine who's been a real guiding, uh, a a guiding force for us in this season on the PR stuff. And I said, bro, I don't even know what to do. We need to, we need to like create a a response and we need to explain to them that we haven't had COVID outbreaks and that this is not true. And everybody's retweeting this and resharing this article. And he said, Sean, this is brilliant. He says, this is the best marketing strategy we could ever come up with. He said, can you ask Rolling Stone to keep running the article? And we'll send him more pictures of all of our events, of people packed in, thousands of people. He said, let him him build the movement for you. So we decided, you know what? Super spreaders. That's actually what we're all called to be. Let's just own that name. (laughs) And the virus that they think that we're spreading is not the virus that's being released. And after we watched that two year video, I I, and I just keep thinking, I just keep saying the Lord, okay, God, you've done so much more than I can ever imagine, especially in America It's okay if you want to change things or you want to shift things or you want to whatever. Maybe I'm doing this out of my own self-protection. You know, we're not at the height of the pandemic. There's not as much, you know, uh, fight to meet and to defy tyrannical government orders. Everything's open now. Maybe it's just going to chill out. And then we show up a week ago, Rosh Hashanah in Times Square, the place where we celebrate the new year, but we were celebrating God's new year that day, a week ago in Times Square, 5,000 people show up. Here's a picture right here in the heart of Times Square. And I just was blown away. I'm like, New York is the most difficult place to gather people. And 5,000 people show up. I asked them, if you're from New York City, raise your hand. 95% of the hands went up. And you know, the virus that the Lord released a week ago on the Jewish New Year, as we were celebrating the exact place where the ball drops, the Lord said, joy is being released on the church in America. It's a contagious virus that no one that everyone's going to get infected by. And so I am here to talk to you today about being a super spreader of the virus of joy. You're gonna get contagious, and I really believe that joy is our weapon. The enemy's tried to come in the last season and take our joy. He's tried to come and and you know right now across America, it's a record number of depression, a suicide. People say, "What would be the thing that marks let us worship?" Well, of course, worship and breakthrough and boldness and all that kind of stuff. But one of the biggest biggest things that we've experienced breakthrough on is people battling suicide, depression, addiction. In fact, I was on the morning show in New York. They had me on. It has a higher viewership than Good Morning America. It's called Good Day New York. And they invited me on because they saw this and they were like, we've never seen this in the history of New York. 5,000 Christians? Are you kidding me? Who were these people? And it wasn't, it wasn't like, like, these people were rowdy. Like you show up at a Times Square event, like we were setting our speakers up and it was real rogue, you know, and we're on the ground and we're there like an hour early because our permit times means that we call it plug and play. There ain't no sound checks, ain't no checking your ears, ain't no making sure that, no, it's just plug and play. That's how we do it. And so I got to find musicians that can roll like that because most of them are real picky and I'm like, "No, no, no, this is New York, it's time to rumble. You can't hear yourself pretend that you can, right? <laughs> so we're setting up the stage and already there's a thousand New Yorkers out there going "Shaka daraba," da, 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 waving flags and banners. <laughs> already, they're over there. I'm like, it's about to get crazy here. And I mean, it started raining, nobody cared. Protesters showed up and I loved it too cuz these days if protesters show up, it always is real fun. And I just sit back and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good because they show up thinking they're going to make us angry. Well, we're already the happiest people we've ever met. And so a guy showed up, he had like an F the church sign and a a, a protester showed up, a a very well-known protester that was in a lot of viral videos that had the the decapitated baby doll heads. She showed up, you know, uh, ripping her baby dolls apart as a sign of that She was pro-abortion and they thought that they were gonna rattle us. I'm like, y'all are with the wrong people, man. We're not gonna skip a beat. We've endured 170 cities. You think we're worried about a couple protesters in New York? So anyway, the guy shows up with the, with the sign and he's trying to walk through and all of a sudden it was like 30 intercessors run to him. Lay hands on him. The lady shows up with the baby dolls. Intercessors get around her, blowing shofars over her. I'm like if you're a protester and you come to one of our events you will be assaulted with prayer so get ready and guess what they didn't last like five minutes they're like these people are weird I'm out of here you know and there is, a, there is a measure of joy. I just feel like this is a message right now in America as we approach the midterms and things get crazier and, and God knows what is gonna happen with the economy and with wars and with you know all of the, with the supply chain issues and everything else in scandals, the enemy is gonna try to get us caught in a thing, in a narrative, in a divisive rhetoric. And I'm telling you, we need joy in the body of Christ right now, like never before. Joy is our weapon. I want to read some verses and then we're going to do something crazy today. We're going to take a victory lap. Like for real, all of you. And I think it was Nathan that was up here. He was, he was running back and forth. And I was already feeling this in my spirit. It, it, like, it, like this, was a, this was a wild gospel church this morning. He was running back and forth across the stage. And I was like, that's it. That's the anointing victory lap time. It's victory lap time. In Hebrews 12, I want to read this. It talks about um, the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. If you look it up in Hebrews 12, verse 18 It gives us these two scenarios and two situations. It gives us a picture of the Old Testament and a picture of the new. And it reminds us about this season that we're living in. It reminds us of the greater reality. It reminds us that there's an unseen realm that we are actually more connected to than what we see. It says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storms, to a trumpet blast that no, that, or, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged no further word would be spoken because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. This sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. It's referring to the encounters in the Old Testament that are based on fear. It's saying you have not come to that era, but instead this is a season in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful, someone say joyful, in joyful assembly. I love how it says that. You have come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I can't tell you how many cities the Lord called us to go into. You'll see it in the film, like Portland and Seattle, and you see the scenes of what we endured there. However, something happened, guys, where we would show up, and it was like I could feel all of heaven saying, finally, somebody has come to join us. 120 days of rioting in downtown Portland, burning copies of the Bible. You think the angels are worried about that? It's like sometimes we think that like God and the angels are sitting in heaven and there's certain geographical places where he's like, "Uh, that's gonna be a little difficult. It's like this common horrible mindset in conservative theology. Let's leave the hard places. Now I love Texas and I love Florida. This isn't a knock against you guys. I love these places, but it is a horrible mindset to say, let's all flee to Texas and Florida and ride out the end times. Are you kidding me? There's 5,000 worshipers in Times Square, New York. There's 7,000 worshipers in Portland that showed up. When we were in Portland, I legit, I was like, there's 7,000 Christians here? God has his people positioned all over this nation. The enemy gets zero real estate. Zero. He doesn't get a city, he doesn't get a state. Right now in California, they're trying their hardest to dig their heels in. You know what I'm saying? As long as I'm in California, you get nothing, enemy. This is a state of revival. This is a state of Azusa Street. This is a state of the Jesus People Movement. We are taking back California. We don't have a retreating mentality. It's 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 even politically, it's horrible. It's like everyone's fleeing. I'm like, no, 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 we got to change America. I mean, you look at the. I mean, imagine you flip California, it's a wrap. It's over. And I love it how it says that. But you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, joyful assembly. And I just feel like this is a season where we have to be. We have to be more connected to that reality than we are this one. We have to be more connected to that narrative than we are this one. This is why it's so important to tell God's stories. Tell him through film. Tell him through music. Tell him through the word. Isaiah chapter nine. Turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 9. So this is the mandate of Jesus. I want to be really clear on this. People are like, what's this whole joy thing? Joy thing. Jesus came to judge. He came to, he came to set wrong things right. Yes, he did. However, when Isaiah prophesies the coming of the Messiah, he's very clear on how we will recognize who he is. He says, This is how you're going to recognize that it's him. Verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their... Come on. Enlarge the nation and increase their... They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. I mean, this is crazy. Isaiah is saying, he's prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And he says, you can't miss him because you're going to feel joy, 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 joy. You want to know if it's really him? Joy, 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 joy. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have enlarged, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So I was in the Capitol building uh, in D.C. The Lord's given us incredible favor to go into the Capitol. And they've they've been letting me sneak my guitar in. Which, can you imagine, you know, in the Capitol Police, you know, you got to go through, when you go into the, the Capitol building in D.C., you go through the um, x-ray machine and they don't get a whole lot of guitars. So I brought my guitar in there. The security guy goes, what are you doing in here? I'm like, I'm like, bro, this place needs some joy. He goes, you don't got to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I got my guitar and I'm telling you, it is such a facade and it is so fake and it is like the bluff of the enemy to tell you it's too hard and difficult. One strum of that guitar inside of that building, things shifted in that room. We had we had senators, congressmen and women, we had staffers weighed down by the heaviness of DC, but yet his yoke is easy, his burden is light, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I'm working right now on an entire program in 23 and 24 to send worshipers in and out of the Capitol building just to worship, just to sing. You know, did you know that there's a chapel inside of the Capitol building? You know what's funny about the chapel? It's right next to Nancy Pelosi's office. It's true. I said, send me in that chapel, Lord. But I'm telling you, there is a realm of heaviness that we got to use the weapon of joy to break through. If it can happen in the Capitol building, it can happen anywhere. If it can happen in Times Square, New York, it can happen anywhere. Enlarge the nation, increase their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when divide the plunder. One of the things on the film that you'll see is story after story after story of people that were going to commit suicide show up. One one guy, he's just randomly walking through this park. He's about to go kill himself. He has suicide med, he's suicide pills in his pocket, and he's drawn in by this sound that sound that seems happy. It's the height of the pandemic. He's like, why are people laughing and singing happy songs? He shows up. He winds up at the end of the service on the front, throwing his drugs down on the stone stage. And then he ends up getting saved and baptized that same day. <clears throat> Suicide and depression Hopelessness, our nation is plagued with it. And in many ways, the church in these crazy times, we just end up getting more grouchy and grumpy. And I'm like, guys, this is horrible PR for the kingdom. I want to make a war this election season on grumpy Christianity. I want you to leave here so obnoxious, so obnoxiously joyful that everywhere you go, you infect people. This was the mandate of Jesus, the joyful warrior, the posture of the King Psalms chapter two. You guys know this verse you sung about it this morning. Psalm chapter two: The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointing, saying, "Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles." The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Not even just laughs; He scoffs at them. I think it's time to bring a little bit of scoffing back to the enemy. Um, me and my my wife. Just on a personal note, we, we've dealt with a whole lot of pushback and a whole lot of like so many layers. I don't need to go into it, but we found she found a lump, a really weird lump in mass uh, like two weeks ago and went in and the doctors was really concerned and was really concerned. And they, you know, of course, all them automatically, these horror stories come to your mind. The worst possible situation and scenario comes to your mind. You're thinking about, the people that you know that have died, they have kids. She's thinking, you know, the worst thoughts, you know, and it's this, so she went and got tested and there's like a week long waiting period. And we were about to, it was, and she was about to find out, we were about to find out the morning our film premiered in Los Angeles for our red carpet premiere was the morning of her appointment where we found out what this mass was. And so we had a week in the Foyt home where we had to make a decision of what we were going to partner with. It was an intense week. We had a week where we had to decide, are we going to be governed by fear? Or are we going to laugh at the pathetic attempts of the enemy? And I just said, you know what? We're going joy zone, baby. So we woke up every morning. It's like We were just playing just joy jams just all day. And it wasn't fake. See, Christians think that it's fake or contrived. No, no, no. David said, Rise up within me in praise. Your worship doesn't go along with your feelings, millennial generation, of which I am one. It surpasses your feelings. Your worship doesn't change with the weather, it's consistent because He's consistent rise up within me and praise rise up within me and praise and we just took a hold of this thing as a family and it was not very many people knew about this situation but for us it was a trying time but it was a beautiful time of dependence and praise God two hours before our red carpet premiere we got the word that it was all benign that it was nothing And I know for a lot of people, that's not that's not what they hear in their report. But I told my wife, even if they give us the worst possible scenario, we're going to rejoice at what God's about to do. I'm telling you guys, you sometimes you have to choose joy. You have to choose it, even when you don't feel it. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. I feel like the situation right now across America, the situation across the nations, the intensity of the demonic is something I've never experienced before. It's like right in your face. The gravitation to annihilate the innocence of our children, the endorsement of people behind that is crazy. And you really have to rise up and you say, you know what, enemy, you're pathetic. That you think that you're going to come and I, I, I posted that verse the other night, I said, "You know, Jesus didn't min- mince words. He said He's going to be better than a millstone be tied around your neck and you're drowned to the depths of the ocean. Then mess with our kids. I was like, "Devil, the moment you start to mess with our kids, it's over. And I feel like the vengeance of God, but I actually feel it in a joyful way because it's going to be fun to see God crush him. It's like, I was helping uh, my son, um, his team, I think it was last year, his his football team was horrible. And and they were just getting crushed and they were depressed. There's nothing more depressing than like a five-year-old who loses every game. And I, and I, I, I tried this mental thing out where I went to his team and I've done this before where I said, you know what? You're gonna win this next game. No, we're not, we're horrible, we stink. No, 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 I know you're gonna win this next game, God told me, and I was like, dear Jesus. I wanted to see how they were going to play knowing they were going to win. Guess what, their last game, they had the most fun they've ever had and they won. And I was thinking, This is the the ultimate posture of joy, knowing and living and breathing and working and worshiping like you know the end of the story. How much more fun would you have? Okay, this leads me to my last point. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 2 and we're about to do something super wild today. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Turn to someone say, joy is the virus. It talks in Ephesians 5, I won't get there, but it talks about how you're not to be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the first statement ever said about the early church. So think, think about this with me. The first thing, words that are ever used to describe the church in human history are these words. They look drunk. (laughs) Acts chapter two. Unbelievers show up. They say, what's happening here? They say, they're drunk. Peter goes, dude, it's morning. We're not drunk. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. How? How much is that said about the church in our day? Rarely ever. Because we're just, we're so cool, man. We gotta be cool and relevant. We gotta let everyone know we're smart. But yet we consistently see worshipers throughout history that, Jesus, that God loves that are literally crazy, wild, Outrageous. We see Mary giving it all at the feet of Jesus. We see David dancing in his underwear. I'm not saying we should bring that part back, but the way in which he danced and you know, it really hit me and I wanna read this and then we're gonna do something. This really struck me. I wanna do a victory lap this morning for many different reasons. I feel like this is a season of a great victory in America in our personal story, but we're also sitting here in 2022, October 2nd, and we're living in the reality that the death decree of Roe v. Wade has been overturned in our generation. Okay, that was like a Dallas Cowboys pathetic. Let me explain something. I grew up my whole life since I was in high school praying that this would happen. I have a life band on. I've had this life band on from Lou ever since I was 17. I've prayed. I've declared. I've done sieges. I've done worship gatherings. We've done marches. I was told my whole life by so many people this would never, ever happen. There's two people alive on the earth that told me that it could happen. One was Lou, always. The second was Bill Johnson. I remember I was so discouraged and disheartened. We were driving to a a Warriors basketball game in San Francisco and we were just talking about different things. And I just was honest with him. I said, Bill, I've been praying for this my whole life and everything is going in the opposite direction. The most Pro-abortion, pro infanticide, gnarly bills have come down. It's like, it seems like public opinion has shifted now. I'm like, how is this ever going to happen? And I turn to him. i wanting him to connect with my misery and depression. And he looks at me like a G and he's like, oh, it's going to happen. I said, how? And he just smiles. He goes, oh, we, I know it's going to happen. Don't worry. That was 2015. 2016, you know the story. 2020, we're on the National Mall. The largest church service on planet Earth takes place on the National Mall. 2020, let us worship. That night, Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court as the Esther we had been praying for still people said, no, listen, still people said she's not gonna do it, she won't join with it, she's not real, she's, she's kind of Catholic, but not really super pro-life, it's not gonna happen. Then the Dobbs decision leaks. This is what I love about God. God's like, I'm gonna wait till it gets super gnarly. I'm gonna wait till the craziest administration ever is thinking they're gonna tinker and do their things, and then I'm just gonna sneak this in. I mean, think about it. God could have done it from 2016 to 2020 and it would have been pretty cool. He's like, Yeah, I need to wait till it gets wild. <laughs> Sneaks the Dobb decision out. It leaks on purpose to intimidate these justices. Now, why am I talking about this? Here's why. There has been a judgment over America for 50 years. Our abortion policies were worse than North Korea. We're worse than China. Top three worst on planet Earth. And we're supposed to be the human rights nation. Okay, so the Dobbs decision is leaked. I mobilized 50 days of prayer around the Supreme Court so yes, we're the crazy Christians. Flags, shofars, we're praying, laying hands on the pillars of the Supreme Court, prophesying, God, let them bind together. Let this decision be concrete in Jesus' name. Finally, the decision comes out. And I'm thinking in my mind, America is gonna explode with celebration. Crickets. I lead the first and still the largest post row worship service on the steps of the Supreme Court with 100 people. Now I was grateful 100 people were there and we went crazy, we went ham. I said, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to sing. I'm going to lose my voice. I'm going to dance and, and I'll, I don't even care. And I didn't. However, what was shocking to me and sobering to me and disgusting to me was the inability for church leaders and fathers and worship leaders to celebrate the victory God had given intercessors over 50 years. They're embarrassed, they're scared, they don't wanna be political. Well, let's not. now's not the time to celebrate. That was my favorite one. Now's not the time to celebrate. Oh, really? God answered a prayer we've been praying for 50 years and we don't wanna celebrate it? We wanna rob him of our worship because we're worried of what it might look like? That's ridiculous. Only God could do something like this. And then the Lord reminded me of the story in 2 Samuel and how when David danced in his underwear, his own wife was offended at his display of freedom. And his wife said, David, why are you dancing like that? Why are you getting crazy like that? You know the slave girls are watching, the nation's watching. Why do you keep her composure? And I love how David, he just said, honey, this wasn't about you. I will be even more undignified than this. And the end of that chapter says this, Michael, the daughter of Saul, was barren until the day of her death. Here's the point. Your inability to celebrate will lead to your own barrenness. We have barren churches across America, barren movements across America, dead places across America, because we can't even celebrate the same prayers that we prayed. I remember scanning through social media, looking at these pastors. I'm like, I was at a pro-life rally for you. We were praying together. We were snotting tears on the front row. And here you're backpedaling. Jesus deserves a victory lap. Jesus deserves a people full of joy, a people that will say, God, if you can overturn Roe, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Come on, someone say that, anything is possible.